You know what? Let's get right into it. Rebecca, let's play Sammy Hagar and the song Trans Am. And you can imagine this song on stage. But let's go back to 1980. Bush Stadium in St. Louis is where Sammy Hagar is singing live this song. Because that's where the beginning of this story goes, of a game-changing idea in music. Rebecca, let's go to the man... Well, let's first start with the problem itself. Let's go to the Beatles on tour, number one. At New York's Shea Stadium in August of 1965, they played before 56,000 fans. When you started playing stadiums, arenas... Did you plan for that in any way? No, not really. I don't think we planned for anything, you know. We just went on with what we had. They had only two roadies. One of them, Mal Evans. All our equipment had to be big enough so Mal could carry it. The noise was was constant. Yeah. It, It never abates. No. You can't hear a thing. That's what it was like. In 1965, let's continue with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr talking about the problem that I want to address as a game-changing idea. Number two. I mean, at first, that screaming was great because it meant we were a success. It was just like, she loved it. It was like, hey, whoa. After a while, it was like, I can't hear you. Wait a minute, you know. But it did become part of it. Yeah. It was like, that's what happens when we go on stage, this is what happens. Yeah. And but we did diminish a little as musicians, though it sounds good. So that's Ringo Starr, the drummer. We're going to get, we're going to get into Alex uh, Van Halen in a second, particularly hearing all that noise and trying to keep up with the song. Let's go to Ringo Starr talking about that noise with Paul McCartney, 1965 at Chase Stadium. Let's go to number three. But why does it sound good? How could it sound that good when you couldn't hear yourselves? We played our best no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't hear them. You couldn't hear them. I was playing, you know, to his foot tapping, to John's bouncing, you know, and when they went, I couldn't hear that. (laughs) I just saw the head. (laughs) Oh, it's the woo! You knew it was time for the... I knew. (laughs) (laughs) Sing a song called Boys Ringo! Oh, my God. And the thing is, though, because we put in so many hours as kids, Mm. we instinctively knew what to do as a band. Just like the wetsuit changed the world so that people like me could get into the ocean all year round. A game changer in sports, the wetsuit. And we'll get into the game changing ideas in surgery. But who is it that changed the game in the world of music so that the musician could actually hear despite the speakers and the noise of the crowd? His name is Jerry Harvey, and let's get right into it. Let's go to Jerry Harvey, number one. Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, I met a guy named Roger Moore, and he had a little local band. I was teaching karate to him, right, as a little as a side thing so I could have my free lessons. But anyway... He, uh, he had this band, and I wanted to get into the to the bar. I was underage, so I thought if I could move gear in that I could get into the bar without having to have an ID. So that's kind of how it started. And then I learned, you know, I learned to mix kind of 
by trial and error, I was really bad for the first few years, and people were not shy to tell me that. Now listen to the most incredible part of this story. You got to be ready. Today, you could get into your car, and the most special thing could happen to you. Because that's what happened in 1980 to Jerry Harvey. He's a teenager, 19-year-old kid, riding around in his Trans Am, and listen to what happens. Number two. I was driving down the road. I was uh, had a red Trans Am. I was like 1980, right? And uh, I get pulled over, and this guy was a promoter rep for Contemporary Productions. He says, hey, Sammy Hagar's playing uh, Bush Stadium on Saturday, and we need to drive him to drive your car out onto stage because he's got a song called Trans Am, right? So I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I want to get into the show, so I'll go down. Sounds so, good. <laughs> yeah, so he showed me his card, so I was like, yeah, I'll show up. So I showed up. They, they let me in. and His life is about to change. Let's go to number three. They go, well, we're going to introduce you to Sammy Hagar. I was like, all right, great. You know, and uh, so I walk up and uh, I go, hi, I'm Jerry. He goes, hi, I'm Sammy. And uh, basically kind of dismissed me a little bit. Hey, thanks for letting me use your car and I'll get out of here, kid. You know, so uh, so he drives it out on the stage and it kind of became like a little bit of an urban legend in St. Louis. Right. But um, so that was kind of my first introduction. And I, was, I saw the big rock show and I saw, you know, I was realized that. If I got really good at mixing, maybe I could get to that level someday. So, And he's now starting to fall in love and sees clearly what he wants to do with his life. Let's go to number four. Fast forward to like 1984. I'm sitting in, and uh, kind of got discouraged. Uh, I'll keep this short if I can. And um, I was going to just start doing a normal day gig because the bands weren't paying any money. I was starving to death. And I went and saw the Van Halen 1984 show. They, they played two nights. So... At the end of the show, I was just blown away. I was like, I think I want to do sound engineering again. And uh, so I'm sitting at this little bar called bar- Bogart's on the landing on the riverfront. And I look to my left, and David Lee Ross sits down right next to me, right? And I was like, wow, you know, so we sit down, and... Uh, and now number five. 